Good morning, Asbury Church. Welcome to week two in our home improvement series, where each week we are providing some tips and ideas for improvement in yourself, your life, your home, whatever. And this week, my daughter, Levita, is with us today because... Today is Mother's Day! It's Mother's Day! Woo! Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. All right, so this week we've got some tips and advice for you, and Levita is going to start us out. So, Dads, you also have a mom. Give her a call. Give her a call. That's a great one. Um, all right, so I got the next one here. I saw this from Pastor Rachel. She sent me this link with some, some great advice on this, and one of them was, did you know that you can shred chicken with a hand mixer in the kitchen? Cooked chicken, obviously. Cooked chicken, but a hand mixer, I have not tried it yet, but I'm excited to give this one a try and see just how big of a mess I can make. All right, uh, Levita. This next one comes from son, our youth group, <clears throat> Matthew. Don't do anything weird to your wife. Just leave him alone. Just leave her alone. Leave her alone on Mother's Day? But it's her day. We need to like pay lots of attention to her, right? Or leave her alone. All right, so. Um, then I've got, okay, so this one is from my own childhood, and my mom, I'm hoping she doesn't remember this quite as much as I do, but did you know that you can use your mom's iron to wax your skis? You melt this wax on the iron and wax them, it's beautiful. I learned later you could sear chicken with an iron, so it's great. Lots of uses for an iron, sorry mom. So we hope you enjoyed those. As always, we please, we'd love to hear some of your ideas. You can send us an email at asburyag.com or you can fill out one of our beautiful connect cards and let us know how we, some tips and ideas that you have for life and hope you enjoy the series Home Improvements. so awesome. Don't you love what Pastor Dwayne comes up with? How many of you like to do ironing your skis? Like wax your... Like that's such a good... All, all the moms are like, no! Because it ruins the shirts, right? I like to think of it like starch. It just holds the collars better. But Well, hey, we're so glad to have you here this morning as we continue our series on home improvement. And uh, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 13 as you're getting there. So, as we, as we uh, put this series together, there's a wonderful proverb that, that I love that I think is a really great idea just as we continue to think about this. And it says this in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 through 4. It says, by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established, and through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. How many know that building a home takes work? And not just any work, it takes like insightful kind of work. Like, I don't know about you, but, but you can sometimes try your best, and how many know sometimes your best just makes it worse? I remember the first time when Rachel and I, when we were still dating, I thought to myself, hey, I want to be that boyfriend that is helpful, and I will help make sure your car is running right. And so I thought, I'll just change your spark plugs. Because how many know you need to change spark plugs every once in a while, right? That's what I thought. And so... I snapped off two spark plugs in the head of her vehicle. I'm like going, yeah, you know what, Dave, you just made it absolutely worse. The wisdom would have been just to have left it alone. But that's a totally different story. But, but the idea that, you know, to, to, to improve our homes, it takes wisdom, it takes insight. But if you do it right, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And one of the things that we think is so important that as we build our homes is that we build our homes upon the ideas presented in God's Word, that, that God's Word provides practical and, and helpful ideas for us so that we can actually have homes where the people within them can flourish and become everything that they want. So last week we began talking about foundations for flourishing, and we talked about how covenant provides the necessary foundation for healthy homes. If you missed it, you can go back and watch it online. The other thing that we're doing in line with this as well is we're continuing the conversation on Wednesdays. And so what we talked about this morning, uh, we'll talk about some more this Wednesday. Um, but today, what we're going to talk about is setting the tone. Now, I want to begin by looking at an instrument. So I was trying to figure out, is it an instrument or is it an appliance? You can help me in a moment discern between the two. But I want to look at this instrument or appliance in the home that can be the source of conflict. And that is the thermostat. 
All right, how many of you are thermostat people? So is it thermostat, is it an appliance or an instrument? Help me out. What, what would you, is apply, how many would say it's an appliance? How many would say an instrument? How many would call it something else? A thermostat, a gadget. It's a gadget. But you know what it's good for, right? How, how many of you, sometimes the home is too hot and sometimes it's just too cold and you want to just bump it up? When Rachel and I, when we, we go driving, when I drive, I like the air conditioning on. And you turn it like turn it nice and cool and you drive. And Rachel, when we go for drive, she brings blankets just to stay warm. Because I'm like, well, I got to drive. I got to stay awake. And so we, we like it. But, but the thermostat can cause uh, a little bit of fun. Sometimes it can be too hot or, or the room can be too cold. And we're always kind of looking for the Goldilocks zone, right? Where it's just right. And what the thermostat does is it, it, it helps not only just discern what is the climate in the room, but it can begin to adjust the temperature. I think it's important because as individuals, I think when it comes to our homes that we are called to be more than just thermometers, being able to gauge the temperature of our homes, we need to be thermostats where we can adjust the climate in the home. You know, it's pretty easy to be a, a thermometer, to be able to look at things and, and just say, okay, hey, this is going right, this is going wrong. But, but, but sometimes it becomes really tricky on how do you adjust the atmosphere uh, in the home. And, and, and so as we talk about this idea this morning, I, I want to kind of frame it around the idea of setting the tone, the, 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 the tenor of the home, the, the atmosphere. Now, as parents, as we raised our kids, there was something that we knew that was important, and that was this is that words, it, it doesn't matter just what you say, it matters how you say it. How many know this to be true? It's not just what you say, it's how you say it. How many know mom has a tone? Moms have a tone. They can say your name, and you know it's like, oh my goodness, she loves me. And then she can say your name. The name didn't change, but the tone did, and you knew I'm dead, right? Especially when mom added in your middle name. Like for me growing up, it was, it was like David Murray. And she would always kind of add it up on the end, David Murray. And I knew it was like just run, right? But, but it's kind of like it, the, the, the tone matters. And one of the things that we've tried to teach our kids and the thing that we, we think is so important in our home is to be very intentional about the tone. And so as we think about this idea this morning, this is my big idea. The love of Jesus creates the optimal conditions for flourishing. The love of Jesus creates the optimal conditions for flourishing. For, for us to, to, to grow and to become what God wants us to be, like th there's that zone that you kind of have to be within so that things can grow. Too, too cold and it can stunt growth, too hot and it can like fry everything up. You're looking for the right space, and this is what the love of Jesus does. And so we're going to begin looking at John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, kind of as a, as a foundational script, uh, scripture to jump from. But what, what is happening in this verse is Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. And after taking a tub and a towel and washing the, the, the feet of his followers, he says this, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I want to read that again. A new command I give you. A new command, to love, as I, so love one another, that's the command. As I have loved you, so you must, everybody say must. You must love one another. By this, by this kind of love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. For Jesus, love is the defining characteristic of his followers. 
And it's great because he begins by saying, a new command I am giving you. Now, some of you, you hear that, like, but, but we've heard this before. It's interesting, as you, as you follow kind of through Jesus' teaching, you, you'll find this idea about love that he gives to his followers. He keeps raising the bar. Like when you start at the Sermon on the Mount, he, he, he begins, he has this kind of this discussion or this little insight into the kind of love that, that we find in the world that we're a part of. And, and that's the kind of love where, where you love those like you or you love those you like. How many know in our world that we often build our love around those who are like us or those that we like? In our culture that, that, that you know, if, if you don't, you know, if you're, if you're a Democrat or a Republican, you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to love you or I'm not going to have a relationship. And just so you know, this idea of love here isn't just about tolerating, it's about relationship, right? And, and so he's, you know, but sometimes we're like, well, you're in this political party or this, you know, I just, I'm going to have nothing to do with you or, or, or you're from this culture or, or you're, you're this, you got this economic stuff or you got this education and, and, and we kind of build things or we build our relationships around in our world around those we like or those that are like us. And you know Jesus, he's like going, hey, actually you need to live higher than that. And so he gave this, this command where he says, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and that's actually, it's a higher thing. And basically he's saying this, what you need to do is you need to treat other people like you want to be treated, right? So this is a higher kind of love. Like when he says, okay, what you need to do is you need to love your neighbor. You need to love the people around you like you love yourself. You, you need to treat the people around you like you want to be treated. Okay, how many of you like to be yelled at? <laughs> Am I supposed to raise my hand on that? Okay, if you, if you don't like to be yelled at, yelling at people may not be a good thing. Like Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you know, it's, hey, listen, if, if it's something that, that you don't want done to you, don't do it to others. How many of you like to be lied to? Come on now, come on. Does this dress make me look? I'm just kidding. We're not going there. That's where I'm just poking and prodding this morning. I'm just having fun, right? You know, but, but we don't like to be lied to, so, so treat other people like you would want to be treated, so don't lie to other people. And so love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and really, this is kind of an upgrade. But here we are in the upper room, and Jesus says, you know what, I'm actually going to take it up a little higher. And so he says this. A new command I give you. Love one another. And then he says this, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. How many know within that there's none of this idea of treat other people like you want to be treated? Now it's actually beyond even what you think that you may want for yourself. Now it's beginning to say, I live a life that reflects the love that Jesus has shown me. How many know that's a much higher standard? Now I think this is really important. Because in, in our culture or, or in our homes, I, I think the home is so fundamental and so foundational for, uh, for life and, and truly thriving in life. Like when, when the home is going well, it, it, all the participants or all the people in the home actually do better. Well, when the home is fractured and when the home is broken and falling apart, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, leave anyone unharmed or undamaged. And so as... Followers of Jesus, I think it's so important that we need to have homes where we abide by his command to love one another. As he loved us, so we must love one another. 
Now, I have the privilege every once in a while of getting to do premarital counseling. Premarital counseling is fun because you get two people who are in love with one another. Don't you remember when you were like, for those who've been married in premarital counseling, you're like, it's going to be happily ever after. How many remember those days? And it's always kind of fun. You get the people in the room. You talk about, what do you want your future to look like? And they're all like ecstatic. It's going to be all rocket ships and roses. It's going to be just a beautiful thing. And, and so when, when we're in that space, I'd love to ask this question. And this is the question I ask. And usually when I ask it, I give them a pad of paper and a pen. And I say, well, I want you to write down. I want you to do this exercise for me. I want you to write down your definition of what love is is. What is love? How do you define love? I, I want you to think about this for a moment. Like, like for you, how do you define love? And then I'll also ask questions like, okay, how do you demonstrate love? How is it that you see, you, you know, your, your fiance, your, you know, your, your spouse, how do you see them Loving you, write those things down. And it's always kind of fun because how many know that everybody has a definition of love? And so here's kind of the tension in relationships. We use the same vocabulary, yet often we have different definitions. And so what happens is we say we love, but, but our definition of love may look different than the person next to us. And now, our definitions of love arrive from our experiences and our examples. How many of you grew up in a home, and in the home that you grew up in, you thought a whole lot of things were just normal, and then you, like, you finally grew up, and maybe you have your own family, or you got beyond your family, and you're like going, wait, our family wasn't as normal as I thought, or our normal is just weird. How many had some of that? Because when you're in it, you just think this is normal. Did you know most kids growing up in their home just think this is what everybody experiences? It kind of looks like this. And what happens is, is this becomes the place from which our, our definitions begin to arise. Our experiences in our home, our interactions sometimes with our parents, or, or the absence of our parents. So sometimes it's, it's, it's this, this idea, and we get this definition, and we begin to build relationships from this definition. And this is such an important idea, because you are building your life from your definitions. And this is why you need to actually consider how you define these things. But it's not just you that is a definition. You're, the people you're in relationship have their definitions. And what will often happen is in the midst of your relating, you'll find out that both of them may have ideals and aspirations to love, but all of a sudden it's manifesting itself in different ways. And, and all of a sudden there's a little bit of confusion and maybe a little bit perplexed. And you're like going, I thought they loved me. But they're not loving me like I thought love was. And so this, I think, is a huge challenge. And so what Jesus says, again, he comes to his followers and says, guys, I want you to understand, the thing that's going to define you from everybody else in the world is going to be the way you love. What, what, what's going to define you, what's going to mark you as different isn't your, your intellect. It's, it's, not, it's not going to be um, uh, your good looks. How many of you feel good looking today? Okay, a few of us. Um, What's going to define you as my people is your love for one another. And he says this, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, this for me means, okay, so we actually have to understand, well, what is Jesus asking of us? What does he want the definition of love to look like? Now, I've reflected on Jesus' life, and I've come up with a really quick definition of what love is. And, and I think this is the, the, the command or the, the, what he's calling for in the command that he gives us to love one another, to love in this world, what it looks like. And so I've got a simple definition, and this is what it is. What is love? It is an unconditional decision that results in sacrificial action for the benefit of another. What is love? It is the unconditional decision. How many know love is more than a feeling? I think I'm going to write a song, more than a feeling. For all the people out there that love 80s music, that's Boston, right? Am I right? Is it Boston? Okay, good, just making sure. Hey, I know a lot of people can't memorize scripture, but they remember the songs. I'm just kidding. I'm just, just, busting, just busting on people this morning. Um, but, but 
You know, you think about what is love. Love is way more than a feeling. It is an unconditional decision. It's actually a decision that we have to make. How many of you don't always wake up loving? You know, you're, you're a mom, and the kid starts crying in the middle of the night. How many of you wake up loving? Right? Sometimes my wife tried to wake up the loving. It's your turn. No, I'm just kidding. But we don't always wake up loving. Some, sometimes we don't feel like loving. Sometimes we're having a bad day, and we don't want people around us. But love is an unconditional decision. It's what Jesus did for us. Did, did you know that, that not only is it not only about Jesus, not whether he felt loving or not, it wasn't about the quality or the perfection of the person he was trying to love. Did you know that Jesus has this amazing habit of loving messed up people? And this is the, here's the, you ready for the surprise? He even knows they're messed up. He knows what their issues are. And he chooses to love them. And see, love is way more than a feeling. It is an unconditional decision that results in sacrificial action. Now, if you want to put the definition back up, you can just leave it up there. Okay, Dwayne, thanks. It's the unconditional decision that results in sacrificial action. Now, Jesus comes from a, an environment where sacrifice was part of the way people worshipped and connected with God. It wasn't just a Jewish thing. Uh, sacrifice was actually a practice that was done by the Romans as well, where they would bring these things called sacrifices. And you know what you did often with the sacrificed? You would bring something, it would be killed, and then you would go home without the thing. That means you, you would have like a cow. And how many know cows aren't cheap? You'd have a cow, or, or maybe you had a lamb, or, or maybe you had a dove. And then you would bring it to the temple, and then it would be sacrificed and killed, and then you would go home without it. I want you to understand there's an aspect of love that involves us not always keeping what we want. And sometimes it's about losing what we want for something that's better than we have. Losing something we want for something better than what we have. And see, what happens in love, and we see this with Jesus, that, that Jesus is willing to lay down his own life for us, Jesus will say this in the upper room. He says, greater love is no one than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends and looks at his disciples, his followers, and says, hey, guys, I want you to understand, you're my friends. And he says, listen, nobody is taking this life from me. I'm actually laying it down for you. I want you to know, this is a radical idea because sometimes in love, where we give up in relationship is when we have to give up. When we have to sacrifice something maybe we want, maybe it's a dream, maybe it's a hope, and we're saying, you know what, I have to, you know, I, I, you know, I, I can't give this up, and so I give up the relationship. But love involves sacrifice. You know, as moms, you've given up time, you may have given up a figure, you may have given up a lot of things, and you did it for your kids. It's the nature of loving. And this is so important for all of us. What is love? Because I'm, I'm convinced that sometimes in our homes, we say we love our spouse and we love our kids, but I'm not sure how our definition measures up or compares with what it is Jesus is calling us to. And he says, listen, I want you to love one another. This is the new command. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so he says, listen, love is an, uh, so what is love? It's an unconditional decision that results in sacrificial action for the benefit of another person. Jesus did what he did, not for himself, but for us. He did it for our benefit. And I want you to understand what love does is love gives for the benefit of another. 
It's an, unco it's an unconditional decision that, act, that uh, results in sacrificial action for the benefit of another. And I'm convinced when this definition is at work in our homes, that this is the kind of condition, it, this is the kind of love that creates the optimal conditions for people to flourish. That when you are in a space, when you are in a relationship where one loves you unconditionally, where one is willing to sacrifice on your behalf for your good, you're like going, yeah, that's the kind of thing I want. It's the thing that we need. Now, there's an idealized aspect of love. But love must be fleshed out in community. All right, so I have a confession. I love people really well when I am in my office with the door closed and I'm by myself. That's when I love the best. Like, you should see it. I am off the chart. I am Jesus-like in my office, right? Like, I'm just, I'm full of grace and compassion and, like, it just oozes. And then somebody will come in. It's generally Pastor Dwayne. I'm like, oh, good Lord, I just left. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. But, but there's this aspect of, of we, we all laugh at the idea of saying, I'm really good at loving when I'm in a room by myself. Because we know that for love to actually have any power or any work, it actually has to be done in community. This is what I know about people. Where there's motion, there's friction. Can I get a witness on this one? Where there's motion, there's friction. Like if you put people in a room, eventually they're going to bump into one another in a certain way, and all of a sudden there's going to be this tension. And then the question is, is how well do we love? See, in our homes, there's lots of motion that takes place. And part of it is saying, God, would you, would you help us not only have a right definition, but that, Lord, would you help us demonstrate it rightly? So when Rachel and I first got married, so I learned, I learned a lot of things about me when I got married. Uh, one of the things I learned is I am a mess. And not just because I'm a messy person, I'm just, I'm a mess. So I, I remember after, after a, um, I'm trying to think, a disagreement, now, I, I know this will surprise you. We, we never fight. Actually, Rachel and I never fight. She wins every time. And so, um, but, but we're, we're having this, uh, a difference of opinion. That's what we'll call it. We had a difference of opinion. And I remember it was, it, it was about a year after we got married, and, and, and I was in that place where um, th there was enough dissonance that I was like, oh, good Lord. And then I began, I don't, and just so you know, I don't even remember what the thing was about, I just remember that there was tension. And I was coming home from work, and I was dreading going home. Because then I have to, like, you know, move in a space where someone else moves. And, and I remember being at that place where I'm like, okay, God, good Lord, what did I just sign up for? You know, you know those moments, you know, till death do us part. For some people, marriage can feel like a life sentence. You know what I'm talking about? That's how I felt in that moment. I'm like, good Lord, I signed up for what? And, and, and I remember as I was getting ready to go in, because I was having this moment, and, and I, was, I wasn't happy, and I'm, I'm messing, I'm working through all my pieces, and I began to have this conversation with God. You know, I'm like going, good Lord, really, I signed up for this? This is, what I'm, this is, this is joy and hope and all this? I'm like, oh my goodness, how am I going to get through this stuff? And um, I remember just God whispering in my heart, you just need to love. And, and, and I remember simply saying, but God, of course, I'm actually really good at loving. Here I'm in the car, the doors are shut, and I'm by myself. Of course I'm good at loving, right? And he's just like, going, no, you need to love. And he brought to mind the scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7 which actually gives us how is love demonstrated? How is this love of Jesus demonstrated in community, in relationship? And so I began going through it, and it's great because it's like a checklist. And it begins like this. Love is patient. And I'm like, great. I've like failed the first one. <laughs> love is kind. And I'm like going, maybe I can bend that one a bit. It does not envy. 
It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not easily angered. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Um, It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then it says, love never fails. And I remember as God says, the way you need to have your relationship with your bride is you have to begin to love like me. And I went through that list and I was like going, good Lord, you know what I'm not as good as I thought I was at doing? And that is loving. Because I don't know if, if you deal with this, but every once in a while I'm not as patient as I should be in the midst of the motion. I'm not as kind as I should be. Um, I'm not as... Uh, I'm sometimes a little too easily angered. Anybody feel that one? Especially if you have kids, you're like, good Lord. Or a dog. I remember that one with the dog too. Not easily angered, right? But you go through these things and you look at this list. And you say, okay, am I really living out this definition or this love that Jesus is calling us to? Because what is to define us? In the midst of, it doesn't matter what the world is doing, as followers of Jesus, what's defining our lives? As we think about, I want to think about uh, the last little bit of 1 Corinthians 13, uh, uh, 13, 7, which I think begins to give us an idea of, okay, how do we begin to manage this atmosphere in our home? And, And so it says this, that love... Uh, It says, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, just so you know, I read this verse, and there's always this great concern, because how many know that always and never is a terrible way to try and uh, uh, at least have that language in a relationship? The moment you use in a fight, you always do this, or you never do this. What do you think of? That one time you didn't, and you're totally justified, right? Right? Now, just so you know, the, the always here is the reason that it gets translated always is it's actually all is the, is the, is the word, and it's kind of like all things in the midst of everything that you're going to. You need to have a love that protects. Like, and you need to continually do this. Like, no matter what's going on in your world in the midst of the ups and downs, no matter what the temperature is, what, what's going on around you, you have to regulate this stuff in your life and in your world. You need a love that protects. You need a love that trusts. You need a love um, that hopes, and you need a love uh, that perseveres. And so as we think about these things, I, I think, you know, how do you begin to regulate this temperature? I, I love this idea of love always protects. And, and it's a great word because it's used in a variety of different ways. I just want to note a couple of them. One is this word is used where it talks about love protects. It's used in the idea of a roof. How many are grateful for the roofs and the walls, the things that keep the water out? Because there are storms and there are, there are elements that come against us. And what love does is love actually provides a, a space that, that protects us from the elements that go on around us from everything that rages, from the hostile forces and the unrelenting pressures that are typical in a fallen world. And I think this is so important because when it talks about love being a place or being, love being something that protects, for me as I see this in the home, it's about having a home that is a place of refuge from the storm. Have you ever noticed that, that there are storms that blow that we get caught up in throughout our, our, our days and our weeks? And to be able to have a place that, that even though things may be raging around you, you can find the space that you can go into. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, you know what? This is, I, I can be quiet here. I, I can be calm. I can be good in this space because I know I'm safe. A refuge. A shelter in times of storm. And it says what love does is love protects. It creates atmospheres. It creates spaces where people can be okay, even when not everything is okay around them. But it's not only used in this idea of of something that covers like a roof. It's also used as something that that covers, in a sense, with silence. So Peter says this, and he he gets it from uh, Proverbs that says this, Love covers a multitude of sins. And many times when we hear covering sins, we think covering up sins. 
But actually the idea is, is that what's taking place here is you're actually creating a place where people can be vulnerable, where they can wrestle with their struggles without having to fear that it will go beyond the room. Have you ever noticed that in our time, in our culture, we love to magnify the faults and errors of others, and we love to broadcast them? Like, we, we, we like to see them on, like, you know, I watch people do this on Facebook. You wouldn't believe what so-and-so did. You wouldn't believe, and, and it's not just people outside the home. Good Lord, I have watched this take place with people inside the home. And you're like, just stop that. Because what, you, what people do in that space is when they're beginning to broadcast all the junk of the people in their lives or the people that, that they're wrestling with, what they're actually doing, and especially if they're people in your home, is you're actually creating a pressure for people to resist home. See, this is the reality. I don't know if you've come to notice this yet. You may have. Not everybody is perfect. Did you note that? Like, I'm not perfect. Yeah, it'll be a surprise. I know. No one is. Yet sometimes what we do is we elevate people's stuff to make ourselves feel better, to justify our behaviors and our actions. But if we are going to have a place where people thrive and flourish, not only do we have to provide a place of refuge, but we have to be able to provide a space for people to wrestle with their issues so that they can actually live and move beyond them. We try to create this space in our church. That, that as a church, we recognize like we are filled with like messed up people. Just surprise, the person you're sitting next to is messed up. If you came to thinking this was the perfect church, you totally missed it. <laughs> stop, stop. It's, it's those two, right? I love this. You got a father and a son with mom in the middle, and they're like, yeah, it's the person next to me that's the problem. <laughs> it's mom. I knew it was mom. Happy Mother's Day, mom. Um, but, but I think this idea of, you know what, we, we need to create a space, and, and again, we try to do this in our church, where, where people can wrestle with their stuff. Because if people don't have a space in which they can wrestle out their stuff, um, they often allow that stuff to wreck them. And part of what we're doing in our homes is we're creating environments for people to wrestle with their stuff. For husbands to wrestle with their stuff and wives to wrestle with their stuff and kids to wrestle with their stuff or, or friends who are coming in or neighbors to create a space where, you know what, people can come in and say, you know what, this place is a refuge because what love does is it protects. It protects, it, it guards, it shelters, it, it's, it's doing what it can in order that, to, to hold back some of the pressures so that people can actually deal with stuff so that they might flourish. This is what love does. Not only that, love believes, love trusts. I think it's interesting that it says love always trusts. And, and, and the moment you hear about trusting in relationship, I know that people are like, but you don't know what they did to me. Trusting people for some is a huge leap. And the reason it's a huge leap is because they've experienced huge hurts. And part of the way that we are wired is we have these survival skills where we seek to protect our hearts from hurts. And so we create buffers and spaces around us in order that, that, that because we've had hurt, it, it's, it, it, we keep a space so that we don't have to feel that stuff again. And what ends up happening sometimes in our relationships, because these have happened... Um, it's hard to allow relationships to go as deep as they need to for flourishing to happen. What we do is we often keep people, we, I'll say it this way, we often love people to the, to the degree of our greatest hurt. That we'll love them in the space above the hurt, but if we got to get to the stuff that's too close to the stuff where we've had hurt before, we're going to them away and we do that sometimes by trying to control situations. Sometimes we run from situations. We do all sorts of things because our hurts become the lid for the depth of our relationship. And in order for relationships to go deeper, you actually have to work on this whole idea of trust whereby you can be vulnerable and live. 
Part of this idea is recognizing that, you know what, God, we need to be, we need, you need to help us love so that we can actually get to the place where we trust others. You see, trust requires vulnerability, and vulnerability requires love. And we need to be able to love people and, and, because people need to know that they are cared, uh, they are cared in spite of all their faults and failures. You see, love is actually an act of faith. Love believes that the relationship is always worth the sacrifice. Another thing about love, how it manifests, it protects, it trusts, it hopes, and perseveres. It hopes in that it is confident of the future. It speaks to life and blessing over our families. It's the expectation that, you know what, God's not done with our crazy crew yet. And because we hope, we orient our lives toward better futures. Not passively, but working with God, trusting Him to do His part as we do ours. And not only that, love perseveres. I love the word that's used there for perseveres because the idea is the picture of remaining under the load. it's, It's remaining underneath the burden. How many know that relationships involve burden at times? And part of what persevering is, is it's willing to endure the burden through it. Sometimes we want to give up when things get difficult and uncomfortable. But what love does is love pushes through. So one of the things that I've come to know in life is that joy is what we experience as we go through difficulty. Like joy is that that stuff that we feel having gone through the the, the wrestlings, having endured underneath the difficulty, and all of a sudden we've come through on the other side and and, and we get that sense of joy because we've battled through. That's where joy is at. The problem, I think, in our culture is this, is we want joy without struggle. We want want that feeling of, boy, isn't this the most exciting thing, but we've never really actually struggled through stuff. And when you experience joy in this sense without having gone through the struggle, sometimes you'll find out that joy is absolutely, absolutely empty because there's actually no significance to what's behind it. And in relationship, part of this idea of relationship is learning to love through. How many know that, that our lives go through many ups and downs? Like, it doesn't matter if you're an adult or a kid. Like, all of life, it has these up moments, these down moments. And what love does is it plots a course that says, you know what? It doesn't matter the highs. It doesn't matter the lows. We are going through this stuff together. And as you journey, not just through the highs, but as you make it through the lows, all of a sudden you find this joy, this this strength that endures. You see, when we love like Jesus loves, we create environments where, where we protect, where we believe, where we hope, where we persevere. This is why I say the love of Jesus creates the optimal conditions for flourishing. And if we are going to improve our homes, we need to learn to love like Jesus. We need to make an unconditional decision that results in sacrificial action for the benefit of another. And we need to allow His love to set the tone for our homes. Now, this is where the challenge is. Ready for the challenge? I look at the definition of Jesus' love and I go, good Lord, I fall way too short. Like that just seems like an impossible standard. Loving people unconditionally, sacrificing for the benefit of another. Okay, on my best days, I do it in my office by myself. But you want me to, this is impossible. Anybody here have those moments where you're just like going, I just can't do it. There's no way. I, 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 don't, I don't have what it takes to have that kind of love. I got some amazing news for you. 
If you feel that way and you're a follower of Jesus, that love is already in you. This is why we get to be thermostats. See, see let me, let me, Romans 5, 5 says this. God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says this, the new command I give you. Hey, you want to know a great idea from the scriptures you need to really hold on to? What God commands, he empowers. What God commands, he empowers. When he says, I want you to love, he empowers it. How? Through his Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that the question isn't, can you, as much as it is, Will you? Because God has poured His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This unconditional love that results in sacrificial action for the benefit of another, that which Jesus manifested on Calvary toward us, is in us. And the reason we can change the atmosphere in any room that we're a part of is because His Spirit is in us. We can love like Jesus because His Spirit is in His followers. What we have to learn to do is we need to allow, learn to allow His love to be manifest in the rooms that we're in. I think this is just the simple prayer. In the midst of the struggles and the ups and the downs, the frictions and the tensions. It's simply this, Lord, let your love be manifest in my life today. Lord, let your love be manifest. Oh my goodness, my kids are driving me crazy. Lord, let your love be manifest in my life today. Good Lord, my spouse is getting on my last nerve. Lord, may your love be manifest in my life today. Dude, my brother, my sister, my coworker, this person is frustrating me to no end. Lord, may your love be manifest in my life today. You see, God has given us everything we need to set the tone for our homes. He's given us His Spirit. And, and I want to challenge you that, that as, you, as you think about your home and improving your home, I want you to consider not just what your definition is, but what His definition is. And then saying, okay, God, I understand what you're calling me to. Now, Lord, help me manifest that love that's already in me. May I have a love that protects. May I have a love that believes. May I have a love that hopes. And may I have a love that perseveres. Because when we do these things, we create the optimal situations and places so that people can actually thrive and live the lives that they were called and created for. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you for your goodness that is poured out toward us. And God, I thank you that it's your desire to, to really help us live and become the people you've called us to be, to, 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 to have homes where, where your love is manifest. Lord, I thank you for your kindness and your grace and the love that you show us, the love that meets us. And God, we're just asking that you would help us today to honor you in everything that we do and say. Lord, we're asking that you would help our, your love be manifest in the midst of our challenges and our trials, in the midst of our ups and our downs. Because, God, we need you. And just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would just simply say, you know what, in, in my home, I need the love of God to be manifest. I, I long to see his love manifest in my home so that I can see the grace of God work so that 
people may flourish. If that's you, would you just lift your hand because I want to pray with you. I see those hands. How many would just simply say, you know what, I, I'm in the midst of, of, of wrestling with some stuff. I'm, I'm wrestling with some, with some issues and, and there's some tension that's going on. And there's moments where I'm just like ready to rabbit or I'm just ready to just, you know, push back in unhealthy ways. And, and I'm just, and you would say, you know, Lord, would you just help me manifest your love today? If that's you, I want to pray with you as well. Just raise your hand and see that hand and those ones. Lord, you see these hands. You see each heart. You see each hurt. And Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you have, you, you have not given us a challenge beyond that which we can meet. For, Lord, you have not just commanded, but you have empowered. And, Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is within us that enables us to love in ways that are far greater than are natural to us. And so, God, we look to you. And we ask that you would direct our hearts. Lord, for these who are facing challenges and obstacles, Lord, I pray that your peace would meet them, that you would surround them with your kindness and your grace. That we thank you for your faithfulness and your love. Lord, would you help us as we continue to improve our homes? May we manifest our commitment to you by our love for one another. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So this is how we're simply going to close. I'm going to bless you because it's Mother's Day. But maybe you're here and, and you just like someone to pray with. I'd love to pray with you. I'll just wait down here at the front. Um, if you need to leave, that's okay. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you, lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. I want you to know we are believing with you that God is going to do something in you so that he can begin to change your home, so that you can begin to, 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 have, to, to have those places where the grace of God empowers and manifests himself so that you can know life. So thank you so much for being here today. God bless you, and we'll see you all soon. Amen.